This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. Hi, this is Annie Grace, author of This Naked Mind, and I am answering readers' questions. And today's a unique video because yesterday I sent out an email to um, my subscriber list asking for feedback on my upcoming e-course. I wanted to know what was the number one, number two things that they wanted me to absolutely cover. And there were tons and tons of great feedback, which is awesome. So thank you, everyone. But also, there was one question that came up a few times that I wanted to go ahead and try to address now, and absolutely will address it in more detail in the e-course. But on this live video, I thought it would be good. And the question is, I've read your book. It was going great. It was six months. It was eight months, it was two months, and then something happened and I started drinking again and I feel stuck. What do I do next? And I think that this is such a good question because the truth is is that we are bombarded every day with pro-alcohol messages everywhere we go. And so if you are not almost constantly on your guard until you're absolutely secure and certain in your decision, you are going to have the message that alcohol is somehow beneficial and that you're somehow missing out by not drinking it seat back in. And so there's tons of things you can do to be on your guard. Um, But most importantly is to pay attention. Don't think that the advertisement on the TV showing this beer that they make look really yummy doesn't have any effect on you. Watch the advertisement. Question, does that look good to me? Why does it look good to me? And then remind yourself what's really in that beer. You know, how it's going to just make you bloated and tired and make you want 10 more beers. And fast forward that to the end. So I'd say, first of all, it's not a one and done experience. It feels magical. It feels like a switch has turned on when you read the book and your mind has been changed and you look at alcohol and it has no allure for you. That is amazing. That's like amazing. And it's so easy to say, okay, well, great, and on with my life and leave it all behind. But the truth is, is that if you're not on your guard going forward, if you're not on your guard about everything surrounding you that's kind of giving you these messages that alcohol is important, especially in your social scene, then it can start to sound like a good idea to have a drink. And one of the most important things is like when it's faded. So when the memories of how miserable a hangover feels have faded and then suddenly you know, it doesn't seem like such a bad thing. I mean, people drink all the time. People talk about how great drinking is all the time, and it doesn't seem like such a bad thing once some of your personal memories have faded. I'd also say that, you know, your path, this might be one of many times that you go back into this, but if you're drinking right now, be really aware the next time you drink. What is this doing for me? How is this good? How is this making me feel? Am I happy the next day? You know, don't be afraid of your feelings. And most importantly, don't get yourself into a shame spiral where you think you're not good enough, you're not important enough, you're not strong enough, you've done something wrong. All of that is false. And it's so important that this doesn't happen because as soon as you start to judge yourself, you start to think you're not deserving of a better, freer, more peaceful, happier, alcohol-free life. And that is one of the biggest tricks of addiction is it tells you you're not worthy of anything better. And you are. And so that guilt, that shame, again, if you're feeling that, go into it and ask yourself, is this true? Is this true? Because it's not true. 
And, you know, guilt and shame, and especially shame, so many scientific studies show that it's counterproductive, you know. And another thing is don't give yourself fear ultimatums. You know, I had one woman who wrote me and said she put a big poison label on her wine, and it was a big label that said, it's poison, so every time she drank, she knew it was poison. Well, there's been all these studies that have come out that show that the Surgeon General's warning on cigarettes actually had an uptick in smoking initially, because when we see something that reminds us of our mortality, we reach for something that's going to make us feel better totally unconsciously and interestingly that's why they put advertisements for comfort things like food and alcohol and sugar during the nightly news because guess what reminds us of our mortality the nightly news and so this is called neuromarketing and people actually know that when you're reminded of your mortality or how bad or dangerous something is or guilt you will reach for something to erase that feeling so those feelings of shame they're totally counterproductive. I mean, you have to look at this. You're drinking? What are you learning? You know, what is going on with you? And um, I think another thing to do is kind of take some time, pull out a journal, piece of paper, and write down what is most important to you in your life. You know, and carry that with you. And don't make it this fear thing like, oh, I'm such a bad person because I'm drinking, but my kids are so important. Make it like, oh, okay, I'm reminding myself what I'm doing this for. And I think that's really important. And, you know, another important thing is, so you've changed your unconscious mind. A lot of people who read my book were only emotionally or psychologically addicted. They fell into drinking too much, but they were, you know, there wasn't a lot kind of else to keep them in the trap. And so they read my book, they changed their perspective, and they're like, great, leave it behind. But equally, a lot of people, myself included, quit drinking, and then we realize, wow, we were self-medicating for some very specific things. For me, it was depression and anxiety, and I was self-medicating that away. And so I had to start to do the work to fix what was actually broken, to manage my stress in different and better ways, to start to exercise so that I was releasing the serotonin and endorphins so that I wasn't feeling so much depression. I had to go on this journey inward of self-knowledge to say, I'm not feeling good right now. I've made a commitment to myself today not to reach for that drink. So what is going on? And that was work. So do the work, begin the work, and look at it as such a gift because I think this work to fix what's broken and to find things that are really, truly good, scientifically-based, effective stress relievers, Americans especially, and I'm sure this is true for most of the world, the things we think relieve stress, the things we reach for to relieve stress, they include extra... Or, um, Sorry, alcohol, sugar, television, internet, Facebook, and I think cigarettes. Um, and the things that we say actually work to relieve stress are none of those things. <laughs> and the things that we don't reach for but actually are proven to work to relieve stress include exercise, um, healthy social situations, movement, meditation. And so we reach for things that are called switches. You know, it quickly switches our mindset. We can quickly you know, dumb down our brain and stop thinking about that stressful thing by drinking ourselves into an oblivion. But what we need to reach for are seeds, things that plant and over time, if you start a meditation practice or an exercise practice, can actually really bring you true lasting stress relievers. So, you know, there may be work you need to do. And I think that coming to terms with that is amazing and terrifying and empowering all at once. Um, and I'd say just realizing that this is part of the journey is incredibly important. 
If you don't feel like you can just say, okay, I'm never going to drink again, I would really recommend committing to a challenge. The guys over at One Year No Beer, they have a 30 and 90 day challenge that are fully supported. They also have a one year challenge. And the beautiful thing about going alcohol free for a year, and you can do this for a year. I mean, you can do this. You are a strong person. You can do this for a year. Pick a date, say I'm going to do it for a year. A year goes by and you have every single social experience, every single holiday, every single milestone in 12 calendar months, and all of a sudden you have this huge bank of your own personal behaviors and experiences, and that is the most powerful thing in changing your unconscious. You can read my book all day long, I can tell you things all day long, and it might change it for a minute, but it is your own experience that is truly, truly going to change your unconscious mind. And journaling through that and having that record, okay, how was Christmas without drinking? I'm going to write it down, you know? And if it's hard, fine, write that down. But if it's easy and it's great and you're, if you're present and you have wonderful memories, write that down. And that, more than anything, that time alcohol-free, testing out life, going through 12 months, that is really going to give you so much empowerment and changing your mind. And so I would say two more things. One, allow yourself to realize that, you know, reading my book, having that switch, that was a beautiful thing, but it might just be a signal that there's other work you need to do. So this, you now have this awareness, but you now know that there's another step. And um, there's a bunch more books you can read. And of course, there's books that are written in kind of the same genre as mine of flipping your unconscious. And of course, Jason Vale, he has Kick the Drink Easily. Any Alan Carr book, I highly recommend. Um, Craig Beck has a book called Alcohol Lied to Me. Those are all written in the same vein. There's also books called um, Integral Recovery and Recovery 2.0, which are about things to do after you sort of stop drinking to kind of do the work. And then, of course, I highly recommend um, Loving What Is by Byron Katie, and that's just about really digging into your thoughts and changing your thoughts, and that's a phenomenal book. It's not alcohol-related, but one of my best, highly recommended books ever. And then one last suggestion is that we are social beings and we're habitual beings. And if drinking has been your habit, if drinking has been the thing that you've been doing every night for however long, then you need to replace that habit with something else. Now, if you do a one year no beer challenge, they're gonna challenge you to do exercise. You know, also, if you're such a social person and you found this time at the bar, you know, I would encourage you, I have a really good friend and he told me, Annie, you know what really is powerful for me in my experience about AA? And I've always said that AA, the community that AA brings or Smart Recovery or any of these groups, these social in-person groups that, you know, yes, I would love to have naked mind groups, but the truth is that there just isn't enough people yet, hopefully someday, but any of these groups bring is that you are with other people in a social environment, which is so good for your soul multiple times. And so my friend, he said, when I stopped drinking, there was a huge amount of white space. There was all this time. And I had one habit and I had to replace it with another. So going to 90 meetings in 90 days and just replacing the drinking routine, the drinking habit with the meeting habit was incredibly powerful for him. And so no matter what you think about the methodology or the science, you know, it doesn't necessarily matter if you can find a good room of people because the AA meeting that I went to, I will tell you that it was the most supportive 
group of people. And yes, maybe it is, you know, antiquated in terms of scientific proof, but if you walk into a room and there's people who are going to be with you and journey with you and care for you and support you through this, there's nothing more valuable than that because in-person connection is hugely important. And if you're totally not into going to some sort of meeting, then getting online and doing some of those sorts of things can also be important. So if you're really struggling, I would say realize that this is all part of it. It's all on your journey to make yourself better. It's all on your journey to healing and wholeness. None of it is wrong. None of it is bad. Drop the shame, drop the guilt, and then do what you can to get yourself connected. And I have huge, huge regard for online connections. HelloSundayMorning.org is a massive, I think it's up to 100,000 people who can connect. One Year No Beer, they have a great Facebook group that you can join. It's thousands of people. Um, of course, the NakedMindCommunity.com is, again, thousands of people that are just so supportive. You can write down what you're thinking about. People comment. They respond. So anyway, that's my advice. I just wanted to address this one right away because, again, you know, you've had six months alcohol-free, two months alcohol-free, life's been great, you thought you were never going to drink again, and suddenly you're drinking and you don't know what to do next. Um, recommit, look at it very honestly, and, and really just remember this is part of it. This is part of the journey. This is okay. You are okay, and there's nothing to be ashamed about. You are bombarded with these unconscious messages. The fact that alcohol sounded good to you, again, is not your fault, and, and just carry on. All right. Again, this is Annie Grace, This Naked Mind. Thank you. This has been Annie Grace with This Naked Mind Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can learn more at thisnakedmind.com. And please remember to rate, review, and subscribe as it really helps us spread the word.